podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today on Thursday it's the Bulletin with JP Mason and Declan McConville. How are you doing guys? Alright, alright. Love love the t-shirt deck, love that t-shirt. That was some campaign. I remember uh, waking up on social media that day and uh, these t-shirts were popping up everywhere, weren't they? All over the world. It was a great campaign. Uh, great to see that you are sticking with the colour scheme in your bedroom, I've got to say. Yep. Uh, 61 days, JP, bring us up to date. 61 days to the first qualifier in the Champions League. Are you feeling any better this time round than last week? No. <laughs> um, somebody, I saw somebody put out that, uh, it was one of the fan accounts put out a thing saying, Eddie Howe will be sitting in this seat and it was the dugout and it was like on the 22nd of June. I was like, oh no, I've got my days wrong. And I had, to, I had to double check it. I was like, no, no, no. And then I looked at the comments and somebody said, oh, well, he's going to be early then if he's uh, if he's sitting there on the 22nd of June because there'll be nothing happening at Celtic Park on the 22nd of June. It's 20th of July. 20th or 21st of July is the first uh, Champions League qualifier. And I can only hope that there'll be some of us in the ground on that Yeah. Day. You would hope so. The big thing as well uh, on a weekly basis, JP, is your your shirt over your shoulder changes every week. So you're going for a wee Larson vibe. Uh, was that a replica well, jersey match worn? No, not match worn. No, I just decided because uh, we're off season now. I'm going to until the the, the uh, countdown has expired. I'll put up uh, non well Celtic ish related jerseys. Uh, I've got loads of football tops from over the years, and I got that. Uh, when I was living in France in the year 2000. So that's the Euro 2000 top. And uh, for years, I had number 10 Larson uh, wrongly on the back because he was actually number 20 at that tournament. Because if you remember, he got called up late that's right. squad because of his injury. Mm-hmm. So I went and got 10 Larson on the back in this uh, shop in Nice. And then, uh, so for years, I didn't have it. But thanks to... Uh, I need to get this right. Football Kiesio. Um, there's a guy on Twitter that I found. Somebody tagged me. And he does uh, alterations to football strips. So if you've got any tops where you're 
logo mm. with, your, with your sponsors faded or letters are coming off the back or something like that. He he, he hooks it up and really reasonably priced. And uh, I, it's at football creatio, C-R-E-A-T-I-O. Uh, so football shirt creations and restorations is his is his is his page and he's he's a wizard. See the thing, JP, in this day and age, everything is now possible. Eh? I mean, I, I found some guy on Facebook. I'm digressing a wee bit here. Who does the old? Um, he replenishes your Adidas trainers. You know yeah. what I mean? And he brings them back to kind of like life. And so I've got an old pair of original Adidas Predators from 1994. Is so, this the ones that you scored against the teachers then? Did you see that goal? No, no, but Brendan, my friend, yeah. has told me, has told me, uh, Dykes' goal against the teachers was apparently... Uh, <laughs> see, it did happen. I didn't make it up. I scored a free kick with the Preds, 1994. Anyway, people are saying, is this not a Celtic podcast, Paul? Get on with it. Five years ago today, we announced the managerial appointment of one Brendan Rogers five years ago today and you look at uh, where we are you look at where he is you ask yourself where did it all go wrong you ask yourself can Eddie Howe be the man that comes in and makes that same impact five years Declan McConville um, he gave you I guess some of your best times as a Celtic supporter yeah he did um, five years ago today exactly I was sitting in a higher maths classroom and the build up to um, prelims and I it was kind of they were off and I whizzed away from maths early says to the teacher not to go get an appointment um, sorry if he's listening by the way I think he was an energy fan so we're alright <laughs> got a bus to Celtic Park was looking all about myself as if what the bloody hell's going on here because just these hordes and hordes of people went into the main stand all the pompous and what, what not happened and um we're coming out the ground and Brian Sharp, if you know Brian, he's a tour guide at Celtic Park, um, once dubbed as the fifth Beatle due to his very cool haircut. It's not changed in over five decades, I don't think. <laughs> um, stopped me in the lounge up the stair when we came out and we were blah, blah, blah. And we went down to the front door of Celtic Park and Brian stops to start asking me about exams and over my right hand shoulder was Brendan Rogers waiting to go outside. And I was swiftly told by a Celtic security guard, right, guys, you'll need to go now. So, um, yeah, decent memories of that day. Oh, brilliant memories. I mean, I've said to you before, JP, we were at the same gig leading up. Was it a month before? Was mm-hmm. it a month before? Uh, Steve good. Mason mm-hmm. up at the uh, Liquid Rooms. And, you know, around about that time, the chat was Brendan Rogers, And I do remember trying um, to get some kind of access even back then because back then I was doing a lot of the writing side of things uh, but it was you couldn't get anywhere near the club you couldn't get anywhere near access in Celtic Park Uh, interesting enough yesterday there was a brilliant meeting with Celtic and here I'm going to have to share this one with you guys right this is tremendous so yesterday there was a it was like a fans media um, meeting virtual meeting with the club so they, they've uh, invited quite a lot of the podcasts and bloggers and um, who I, I think if everybody gets on I don't think there's any static between any of the, the guys or girls I don't think so anyway we don't have an issue with anybody uh, so we're chatting away about what we can do next season to work um, in tandem with the club so press conferences getting into the stadium to do various things etc and it was revealed by the club that Dominic Mackay 
watches a Celtic state of mind. And he actually referenced, apparently, the conversation that Kevin Graham had about where's the, the biscuit stash. <laughs> so I knew that he was that they weren't lying. So if you're watching, Dominic, welcome to the show. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, Brendan Rogers, what was your memory of Brendan coming in and what thereafter ensued, JP? Uh, I think, well, a lot of people didn't think we would actually get him. And in the comments of that uh, post that I tagged you on this morning, uh, somebody said, oh, uh, a big gamble, you know, financially a big gamble. This is like... <laughs> Obviously, five years ago, somebody's saying that, and that was a Rangers fan, by the way. My my ex flatmate said it was a big gamble, and I, I replied and said, "Big club needs a big manager." That was my response. So yeah. <laughs> um, it's quite weird to think how that's all panned out since then. But um, I, I mean, I, I I didn't have any affiliation to the guy because I wasn't, you know, uh, Liverpool minded. Uh, I know a lot of Celtic supporters um, do favour Liverpool, so. I think that was probably a big reason why he was welcomed as he was. Um, I just was glad that we were getting him because I knew we were getting a, a, a really, really top top manager. Didn't think for a second they would go on and have an, an invincible uh, season and, uh, and, and and scale the heights that we did. Uh, you know, even I know he didn't do that great in Europe overall, but I mean, mm. the, the, that the Champions League season. Um, with Man City when we drew twice with Man City and uh, I mean that was that was unbelievable um, it was you know when you think about it five years ago today and obviously the season that we've just endured he won us that first treble of the run that's incredible isn't it you know to even even though we've just came out of it to then consider four trebles in a row Unbelievable, but see when you look at that, right? He's left. He left Celtic on the twenty sixth of February two thousand and nineteen, two years and three months ago. Um, his sixth managerial position um, has been at Leicester, but he averages twenty three months on a job, so he's actually exceeded that slightly at Leicester at the moment. Now they've won the FA Cup, they're sitting fifth. They could still get into a Champions League spot. Now the merry-go-round, the managerial merry-go-round has began down south. Some of the big jobs might be up for grabs. Do you honestly think, JP, that given the opportunity, Brennan Rodgers would leave Leicester for a bigger club down south? Yes. In a, in a word, yes. I mean, he, he left the supposed you know club of his dreams, so he led, led us to believe, which is why we were singing songs with him for a couple mm-hmm. of years. You know, he left us, and I know that there was behind the behind the scenes stuff that was going on between him and the board and uh, and whatnot. But you know, his ambition as a manager is there for all to see. I mean, he was in a Leicester suit quicker than the the ink had dried than the tabloids. You know, yeah. um, so and that's no disrespect to him. I, I I I personally don't like it as a Celtic fan as the way the way that he left because he left us in a in a bit of a sticky wicket. Um, but well, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but you know, he's obviously an ambitious guy, and and he's, he's he's been ruthless, and he's been ruthless with us. He'll be ruthless with Leicester as well. And I'm, mm. I would hope their fans are prepared for for a similar Martin O'Neill tinged heartache at some point in the future. Absolutely. What about yourself, Declan? You nodded instantly when I said that. Would he leave Leicester? Uh, when you see the success that he has had there. Firstly, I'm not surprised. I've got to say, I'm not surprised at his success. But I think there is a ceiling 
where he can take, unless there's a, an anomaly of a season when Leicester won the league, I think there is a ceiling that most clubs can go to down there. And he's probably reaching that, you know, by getting into the Champions League spots, by winning a, a domestic trophy. Um, when you look at that success, do you think to yourself, here's what you might have won? I, you know, I think it's about a catch-22 situation. I mean, I really enjoyed the FA Cup final on Saturday. Um, he went down there and he's created history for the club. He's worked with a lot of really good talents and players down there. You know, Tillmans, uh, Madison, Vardy still scoring goals for fun. He's back fourth for Fana, so Yunchku. There's a lot of good players that he's working with down there. But it's, I, th- I think it's just that in terms of his own ambition of what he wants to achieve and how far he thinks he can take himself. I mean, you know, I'm sure it still works him that he never won that Premier League with Liverpool and he would still probably like to do that. Um I think a lot of the time it's all about Brendan, mm. just the way he is. And if a, a more attractive proposition comes up. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And I think you would jump ship. But, um, you know, I think that's just the type of manager he is and, you know, it's what you're getting whenever you take Brendan Rodgers on. I think so. Two years and three months down the line, JP, do you think that, I don't think any of us, you know, it's great with hindsight saying that the signs were here, the signs were there, you know, all the various aspects of even when Brendan Rodgers was at the club, that things weren't going right, the McGinn, everything that we've spoken about. Do you think that he's seen things unravelling? Did he see far too many issues at the club behind the scenes that he realised he couldn't really um, continue in the role? Um, and if he did see them unravelling, surely he didn't see them to this degree, uh, to these depths in such a short space of time, just two years and three months later, we're trophyless when we should be celebrating or we thought we would be celebrating a historic season. I don't think he could have foresaw this happening. I, 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 but then who, who could have foresaw uh, COVID-19 happening um, which I still maintain has had a massive impact on everything you know um, whether it's us falling off a cliff uh, in terms of the football side of things or just just everything really I mean I, I've been sitting here feeling redundant about the fact that I haven't been at a, a Celtic game for a full season for the first mm-hmm. time in my Celtic support in life you know I've not ever I've not been at every I mean there'll be people uh, that have been at far more games than I have that I'll be feeling even more um, sort of dis- um, what's the word disconnected mm-hmm. um, but yeah first time in my life I've not been at a game and just you just feel a bit redundant as a supporter because you've not been able to give that little bit that you can give towards the club um, whether it's uh, you know applauding or just being there at a game or whatever so um, I don't think Brendan Rodgers could have, could have um, uh, predicted this but um, I think he, in his head, I think he probably thought I've left you, like Russell said, I probably thought I've left you the tools. Um, it's up to you what you do with them and it's up to you who you who you sign um, in terms of the players because it, the players that they were starting to sign under him were obviously not his signings and that was that was apparent. I'd love to know the, the nuts and bolts of all of that because... It, it might make people think a bit differently. I wouldn't say I. I wouldn't say he'll ever be my favourite person in the world after what he did because it was a shock. But um, yeah, I, I, my my uh, my 
I didn't. I never hated the guy, but my my ill feeling towards him has uh, subsided over time. Yeah, I think a lot of fans say that as well, particularly when some of the the issues that perhaps were behind the scenes issues have come more to the fore. And I'm going to ask you, Declan, um, I'm not saying for a moment that uh, Eddie Howe is uh, in the same kind of kind of copy of Brendan Rodgers, but he's obviously studied Brendan Rodgers' methods. He's worked alongside him as part of his own development as a coach. Is he as close as Celtic can possibly get to someone in the Brendan Rodgers mould at this moment in time? I would think so. In terms of certainly managers that's worked in the Premier League that are out of work, it's certainly, you know, Andy's, you know, Eddie Howe English based too. So you're taking somebody that did well to an extent in the Premier League that's, that played what I thought was really decent attacking football down there. Bournemouth for always a, a good sight to watch in match of the day. So Eddie Howe's not maybe reached the heights that Brendan Rodgers hit with that Liverpool team. But um, certainly in terms of the way he plays football and the way he speaks about the game and the way he understands the game and the way he likes to play football. I think he's certainly a, a, a fit that would do us um, do us well. And, and again, GP was saying earlier on, you know, we got a very decent compensation package for Brendan Rodgers. It was up to the club to, to spend that compensation package, which in reflection probably a lot of people would say that the club never did properly. You're right. We're talking about tools, nuts and bolts, loads of mechanical references there, JP, but the tools got a bit rusty. Um, and obviously... We- whoever comes in is inheriting a squad that isn't in good shape at the moment you know right across the board a lot of work has to be done when you look at uh, your Facebook memory that uh, you tagged me in this morning some of the other names that were being spoken about when Brennan Rogers was appointed um, fill in the blanks but it was Paul Lambert Owen Coyle uh, Davey Moyes and Roy Keane is that right? and Malky Mackay and yeah. Malky Mackay wow mm-hmm. and this time round Eddie Howe is the only show in town isn't he? It seems that way. It seems that way. I it's, it was weird just thinking when we were talking about Brendan Rodgers there, and just thinking if he had have won that league with Liverpool, we probably wouldn't have got him. So I mean, I think that's a, a fair thing to say. Would Celtic have been able to attract a manager who had won the Premier League? Because even if he'd won the Premier League and then lost his job with Liverpool the following mm-hmm. season, mm-hmm. a la Ranieri at Leicester, um, would we have had it in us to go and get a? an English Premier League winning manager and then you look at the guy who ultimately slipped and fell to cause that has now come round and managed Rangers to stop uh, 10 titles in a row it's absolutely bizarre to think that just all it's all kind of intertwined the machinations and I keep reminding people of this but when we did uh, somebody popped up on Twitter today saying that they'd got their hands on the Andy Lynch book that I did with Andy and um, I've not looked at that for a long time but one of the things I found quite amusing now at the time it wasn't as relevant is there's a big story about when Andy uh, was at the forefront of a Liverpool takeover deck I'm not sure if you've read the book mate I was at the book launch you were there aye the first time we met each other is that the one such a young pup back then Declan um, I remember it well and the thing was with that is he, he he was at the forefront right he spearheaded a takeover of Liverpool Football Club JP right 500 million quid and it was um, 
part of a, a royal family from the UAE and he was at the, the forefront of this because he knew Kenny Dalglish and he was the football man so there, there's lots of publicity out there at the time where former Celtic captain Andy Lynch says and he was actually at the forefront it's an incredible story I think the chapter's called the Billion Dollar uh, Buyers Club or something like that it's bizarre what actually then ensued so there were the guests of Liverpool time and time again and on one occasion um, Stephen Gerrard was injured for a game so Andy was talking to him in the players' lounge and Gerard was talking about his love of Celtic Football Club after talking to Andy about you know uh, the fact that he played for Celtic. And he says, I've actually got uh, a Celtic jersey in a frame on my wall with Lynch on the back, but it was Andy's son who had played in the Ronnie Moran testimonial. So there was this big thing about how Stevie was um, a Celtic fan. And then when he was coming back from LA... And people thought, oh, that's a perfect matchup, Gerard and Rogers. One of the, in fact, a couple of tabloids picked up on this and serialised that part of the book, saying that Stevie Gerard was signing for Celtic. It just shows you how things have changed, as you say. <laughs> but yeah, he's a Celtic man at heart. I, I think that's the, the real key point of that story. <laughs> uh, but uh, we're talking about some of the names, some of the big names really who have been in Scottish football over the last few years, massive names, you know, to attract Brendan Rodgers to Celtic and of course to attract Stephen uh, Gerrard to Rangers. Uh, there's a comment this morning, I'll ask you about this first of all Declan from Chris Sutton in relation to the fact that the goings on the um, incident at Peter Lowell's house for example and other issues are, are going to actually scare away these big names from Scottish football. Uh, do you subscribe to that? Um, firstly on that I hope that, that Peter and all his family are okay I mean nobody should be subjected to that you know people have had different takes on Peter Lowell this season and the, the capacity he's worked at at Celtic but nobody deserves that to happen to them so I hope him and all his family are, are okay at this time um, I think that's something that's kind of maybe been a, a part of British football I mean even in recent weeks we saw Ed Woodward's house be attacked um, so I don't. I don't subscribe to this as just a, a Scottish issue. You know, we've, we've seen it in Manchester. It's something that does go on. It's an underbelly. I, I hope this doesn't. You know, isn't a thing that continues. Um, you know, whether or not that would make any difference in Eddie Howe's de- decision making or anybody else's decision making to come to Scotland, I don't know. But I think if you actually if you listen to Brendan Rodgers um, again, he had an incident. If you remember right, when he went down to Leicester, and his house actually got. Um, Mm. raided by somebody who was burgled um, with his wife and daughter in the house um, but again you know, I think for the, the time he was up here Brendan spoke very highly of Glasgow he liked his time in Scotland I think Stephen Gerrard's probably the same so um, no I, I don't subscribe to that I think it's probably something that isn't just a Glasgow issue it's a, a British football issue and it's just something that's unfortunately part and parcel of the game that isn't nice but hopefully doesn't happen again when you look at the situation, JP, and of course we don't know if it's football related, he's obviously a high profile individual um, and they're going to link him to Celtic when they're, they're telling the story in the press, etc. But we don't know what the motivation is for the attack and uh, I echo exactly what Declan said. It's, it's ridiculous to to think that someone's been targeted like that, especially when the people were asleep in their, in their beds, you know, three generations of the family. Absolutely shocking. Um, you think back to the 80s, not, not as much the 90s, but mainly the 80s and the hooliganism in, in British football and across Europe, actually. Um, and then you've had a, a kind of period where it's not been as prevalent 
You know, there has been a resurgence of that type of thing in terms of the, the terrorist culture re-emerging. There was a theory around the fact that it was a new generation whose dads had been part of the, the squads and the, and the groups back in the day and they were just coming of age and there was another wave of um, risk fans and all that kind of stuff. But what we've seen during the, the lockdown period, uh, JP, is a wee bit more concerning. Like Dex said there, you know, storming stadiums, um, you know, attacking houses and of course, let's not forget the, the scenes in George Square at the weekend as well, which, um, you know, would it have made any difference um, in, in terms of the era? I don't know. I can't say for sure, but um, do you think this is, you know, in part due to the the cabin fever and the and the, the lockdown and the pandemic and because this behaviour for me I can't remember it being as prevalent in my lifetime. Well, no, neither can I. And somebody doing that, I mean, that's just that's just a maniac. Like, there's there's no two ways about it. The only person. There's no, if somebody could do something like that and then just go into their job the next day, start at nine o'clock, sit down at their desk and be like, oh, how was your night last night? I oh, okay, great, cool. I, I mean, whoever did that is, you know, many, many sandwiches short of a picnic. And, uh, you know, they, 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 let's let's hope that they are found and, yeah, swiftly. You know, and, 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 and jailed because ultimately you don't want people like that on the loose uh, in Glasgow because torching a guy's like garage and what, what, I mean, even somebody standing outside shouting at him in the street is unacceptable because Mm. it's a guy's home. That's a person's sanctuary. You shouldn't, you shouldn't mess with that, you know, like, and to take it to the absolute extreme of, of doing that. And then obviously the fingers were being pointed at us and other, uh, uh, Podcasts and things like that. If if you're if you're sitting at home and you're taking what somebody says on a podcast to give you the right to go and do something like that, then you're in the same ballpark as Mark Chapman, as far as I'm concerned. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who Mark Chapman is, he shot John Lennon. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I it's, it's it's absolutely insane. And with regards to the fan culture, I mean, I know that there's 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 extremities in in European football where you've got like. Uh, fan groups turning up at training grounds and yeah. you know demanding meeting with the captain. Exactly, Marseille, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Lazio as well. They're they're pretty mental for that. Mental. They, yeah. yeah, they just turn up and want meetings with the captain and tell you know tell cap the captain how how things are going to be in the game at the weekend and everything. And you're just like, aye. And then you got Aidan McGeady's story as well about when he was playing in Russia and the the guys just burst into the dressing room. And went up to I think it was a Brazilian player that had been spotted in a nightclub after they'd been beat off their rivals, and they basically just hurled all this stuff at him. And then McGeady turned to the guy next to him who understood what they'd said in Russian and went, "What did they just say?" And they went, "The guy just went, oh, put it this way, then he'd be going to nightclubs after the game uh, if, if we've if we've lost, because um, that guy's you know getting it if we do." So I mean. Things like that. That that's extreme, but I think maybe you've got a point with regards to the to the lockdown. Maybe people think that they can behave in a certain way, almost in an anarchic way, you know, mm-hmm. by 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 doing things like at the weekend was obviously just nuts. Um and uh I to to a lesser extent, I suppose us, you know, go storm in the, the stadium. Not st- storm in the stadium, but it's the marketer's report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. 
Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's time to take control of your investing education. TD Ameritrade's fully immersive curriculum includes a wide range of educational resources to match your preferred style of learning. Rated Best in Class Education 2022 by Stockbrokers.com. Learn more at tdameritrade.com slash education resources. Looking back at those, that footage, we were compared to the weekend. And I look back at the Ross County footage, there was a couple hundred people there. Do you know what I mean? And it, it never really got that mental. <laughs> like, I know they made like me tonight to make a big point about this shark fence thing. That was like one guy with a, with a, herring, a herring fence. It wasn't a, <laughs> anywhere near what we saw at the weekend. Um, and I don't think that, you know, it was a couple hundred people whose emotions over overspilled and they went to the ground. I didn't agree with that happening and I still don't. Um, but I don't think it, it deserves to have the, the headlines attached to it that, that, it, that it did and continues to. See, the big thing as well, I'm looking at the, obviously, the situation we've all been in, JP, and uh, over the last year on a personal level, it's been very much uh, go to your work, do your work, go home. There's been very little, uh, you know, integration in anything other than that, like most people. Um, but then, you know, being in groups, being in crowds, these are things that you did um, naturally. There was absolutely no thought process. Uh, but it's going to be quite unusual to be in a group like, uh, obviously, a football stadium or a, or a gig. Two, two things that everybody on this particular show enjoys doing and, and has missed immeasurably. Declan, will it just be a restart button? We all get back to normal. You walk up the Celtic Way, you see the group of guys outside uh, the pool's office doing their thing. You see the, the various different groups doing what they're doing. Do you think we can just get back to that? Is there going to be a process of getting back into the groove of actually being part of these massive crowds? Because it does concern me a wee bit. I've got to say, I mean, I've probably been as secluded as possible. Um, about the only place I go is to refuel my vehicle. And that's about it, to be honest with you. Totally antisocial for the last year or so um, and then all of a sudden you're thrown into maybe going to a gig you know and being shoulder to shoulder with thousands of other people or going to a football game do you, can you see it happening gradually or do you, do you think it will be easy enough for the public to get back to normal in that respect Declan getting back to the games I think it all just depends you know me and JP just ever still living under level 3 restrictions and we can't even leave Glasgow at this point in time so I think it's going to be a gradual process. Um, things are looking up to an extent, but there's still chatter and different variants of COVID and, and whatnot. Yesterday it broke news that there were going to be a crowd inside Murrayfield for the, the I think it's the, the British Lions game or something. So it's something positive. I think it's going to be about 16 or odd thousand. And last week's meeting, Dominic Mackay seemed quite confident that we were going to get fans back to stadiums. I think it will be gradual. I mean, even from my position, I've sat here for the past year doing university work from home, not been in a lecture hall, not been in uni. Um, 
So even then, I don't know whether we're going to be put back into lecture hall, which is going to be a bit weird because I've just been sitting here watching recorded lectures. So I think it might be gradual, but for some things, it might just be right back into the way of things. Football, I think maybe just due to the crowd size might take a wee bit longer. But I really, really hope that by the end of this year, that we're all back in our seats at Celtic Park and supporting our team. And hopefully that's a successful team under Anyhow. Well, on that note, um, message coming in from John McFarlane on YouTube. Welcome to the show, John. I still think Eddie Howe will be our new manager. If Brentford beat Bournemouth, I think it will be announced next week. Anyone you speak to who is involved in the, the mainstream media speaks in the terms that it's a done deal, it's a matter of time, it's contractual in terms of the fact that uh, Celtic can't, unless they want to pay big money to get him out the last wee bit of his deal, which potentially is going to run out on the, the 1st of June anyway, and there is a chat uh, all around the fact that that could be the day of the appointment. But we've heard this week after week after week, JP. It's next Wednesday. No, it's Monday. Um, get your, your hair and your spray tan done because it's going to happen on Monday. Not me, by the way. Uh, people in the, in the media. Um, when do you think, because I don't actually think that the events that have been happening over the last few weeks are going to affect any plans that Celtic have in terms of the manager. Um, I also would expect with the comings and goings that have already started at the club, uh, all the movement that's going to be required during the, the, the pre-season, it's going to be impossible to say to somebody, right, you've got eight weeks to do this. Um, or six weeks, it would be 61 days. You know, you, you've, you're, you've not got a, a great lengthy time to actually turn this round it would be two months so I think that he's already doing that and he's already being an influence but you can't announce him because he's under contract elsewhere do you think it's as simple as that? Surely to God he's, if he is and has agreed to take the job as we were told God what over a month ago was it that they said that he'd met um, Desmond Peterlaw in London yeah that's yeah. right and they said he's agreed in principle to take the job at Celtic so if that was if that was an agreement made, then you'd think that he'd be be doing things behind the scenes and mm. you know line you know moving moving uh, chess pieces around rather than just sitting going right. Well, I can't do anything until until you know it's it's green for go. Again, just weird seeing that comment come up there and how things influence each other in football. But we are now hoping, not hoping, but I mean I'm not really too fussed about whether Bournemouth go up or not. But we're now looking at Brentford, who've got Ivan Tony up front. So we're wanting Ivan Tony to do the damage against Bournemouth, so that we can get Eddie Howe in earlier. Yeah, player <laughs> that we had in the building to sign. Like, how mental a world is it when that sort of thing happens? You know. But um, yeah, that's the thing about Tony. I mean, I mean, this kind of ties into what Patrick Murphy says as well. I've often wondered why would a Celtic board not give the manager everything they want from backroom staff to the transfer budget we can't overspend but we lost Brennan Rodgers through our lack of ambition and it kind of leads into what you've just said there it was quite clear that Tony was a player that uh, you know Neil Lennon wanted in uh, the deal wasn't done and we've gone and signed um, a Yeti Albion a Yeti and it makes me remember some of the other guys who have been in the building JP off the top of my head um, you know we've had dare I say Nacho Novo in the building there are oh, images yeah, of yeah I going in for signing talks Dwight York was in the building and we allowed him whoever it was he signed for we allowed him to phone 
the club from our boardroom, apparently, um, for the, the discussion over the telephone. That was in Martin O'Neill's time. Um, and there's been loads of others. Of course, David Junola, we spoke about it last week. You know, there was the meeting with Tommy Burns. Willie Hockey was at the meeting. And then Fergus McCann comes in and starts talking about the training park at Barrafield. Mm. And Tommy Burns is thinking to himself, oh, please. And Ginola asked to see the training pitch. And that was it. Deal over. Over. Yeah. Over. Was it was Dela no Pena? Dela Pena not one as well? Yeah, I remember Dela Pena and Danny. Aye. And they played a few trial games. Uh, I mean, he went on to you know, continue to have success after that trial. We didn't say, but Martin O'Neill liked to give out trials, remember? He offered Rivaldo the trial <laughs> as well. <laughs> and that didn't happen. That's good, but, Oh, dear. But, I mean, th- these are the things that um, it brings to mind, but Tony being one of the most recent and hardest ones, actually, to take, because you look at his value now, but there's the other argument, Declan, I don't know what you think about this, where people are saying, well, even if he was part of this season, it wouldn't have made any difference. I don't know. I mean, I think if you look at that um, transfer on paper, you know, the money that they were going to spend on a, a League One uh, player, I think people would have probably, at the time, been a bit, you know, why are you spending that much money on an English League One player? Mm. And on paper, I'll be a Yeti former Basel player, played with Moyle and Usi, now at West Ham, Swiss International, all right, better deal. But, you know, and, and some of the games probably would have made a big difference. I don't know, and, and even the way we bought, I think we bought in the summer to play three five two, and that gets scrapped very early on um, after the Julian injury against Ross County, and we kind of went back to the old shape. So, you know, and Odson Edward, he still scored 20-odd goals this season, so yeah. where would Ivan Tony have actually fitted in, apart from probably being a cessation plan to Odson Edward? So I don't know. Um, in principle, though, on paper, I, I think we'd have been actually quite disappointed we never opted for a Yeti, but Hindsight, as we all know, is a wonderful thing. I think um, we'd probably now (laughs) beat your hand off for Ivan Tony. (laughs) It's a wonderful thing, as is succession planning, but it doesn't doesn't always happen. Uh, Interestingly enough, um, the club who sold him to Brentford, Peterborough, we have secured an interview with their owner, Dara McAnthony. So he will be talking to us over the next week or so. And uh, we'll be putting that out on a Celtic state of mind as well. He is... Um, he does. He does like Celtic. He he says he's a Liverpool fan, but he's got a, a liking for Celtic. Uh, and I'll be talking to him about uh, Celtic's proposed moves into the the British arena and a British Super League, JP. So I think that'll be interesting to um, you know rack his brains about the old Ivan Tony deal as well. And uh, there's also the question around Dembele's brother, who I think's out of contract at the end of the season as well, who's down there, and um, and others because the speculation has. Started Started, as you would expect and one of the biggest stories over the last 40 hours or so is, is the fact that Lewis Ferguson who I know Colin Watt is very fond of um, Lewis Ferguson is looking to move out of Aberdeen he has tabled a transfer request and that was on the back of a failed bid by Watford of around £1.2 million for his signature um, I look at the likes of Ferguson and again it's all about opinions JP but I think Get him in. I mean, I don't know what Aberdeen are looking for, but I, I would reckon it's probably double the 1.2 at least. But surely he would be a good addition to the Celtic squad. He's a combative midfield player. Um, is he a replacement, would you guess, for, for Scott Brown? Is he the type of player who could come in? Uh, and and I'm, I'm meaning that in terms of his playing style rather than the, the leadership and the captaincy. 
Uh, well, I mean, the the what was it the, the the bid that was rejected by Aberdeen? It was the classic derisory bid mm. described mm. as derisory. Uh, so yeah, they're obviously looking for more than that. Although Aberdeen have been a little bit unrealistic in their transfer valuations in the past. I think they wanted like what eight million for Scott McKenna or something at one point. Yeah. It's kind of like wait a minute. Um, I don't know what he's doing at Nottingham Forest if he's been doing well or not. I've not I've not kept an eye. Um, I should, I'll, I'll go back and investigate that because I'd quite like to know. But uh, Ferguson, I there's absolutely no way that I would if Ferguson was was into coming, and I'm led to believe that he is, not just by his uncle. Um, that uh, if he was into coming to Celtic, it would be absolutely mental for us not to go out and sign him and give him, you know, even if it's two seasons, let's say. Um, to get to a level and then you know if he, if he did I hate the idea of someone using us as a stepping stone but I mean I understand people have careers and there's no longer this sort of uh, holy grail of going for the 10 quote unquote mm. so uh, you know I'm, 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 I'm alright if a player wants to come for a couple of seasons as long as they don't down tools halfway through it and then we have to have a season where they're you know not interested or things like that you know I mean if, if it's all spoken about and Lewis Ferguson comes to Celtic to, to play his way to, to England that, that's fine but I'd rather he came to us first you, you don't want to have another you know uh, John McGinn in our hands um, No you, you definitely don't and, and the other thing as well that I would consider and I'm going to ask you about this deck is you know there's been occasions in the past where Celtic have signed a player and I'm going to use Scott Allen as an example Scott yep. Brown further back Scott Brown where Celtic and Rangers are in for a player and as well as maybe bolstering your own squad you're also you know uh, depleting uh, their potential squad by bringing a player into into Celtic. I, I just think that in a week or two, if we were to see you know Lewis Ferguson being paraded around Ibrox, I, I'd be pretty disappointed in that because I think he would he would definitely strengthen that side. Um, so it, it's a bit a double whammy for me. I think he would improve the Celtic side, but I certainly don't want to see him signing for Rangers. No, I don't certainly want to see that, and I think I agree with you, Paul, that it would certainly give us something extra. Um, you would have a midfield diamond, possibly a McGregor, Turnbull, Ferguson, which I think, you know, Scottish core a midfield that would be decent. Um, I think he would fit the bill. I know people will be put off with his links to obviously two former Rangers players with his dad and his uncle, but you know, time moves on, football moves on, it's a career, and. Um, I think it would be a good fit for us, so I certainly wouldn't be turning my nose up at him. And, you know, it's no um, coincidence that arguably our best player this season, David Turnbull, where did we buy him from? An SPFL team. Yeah. So, fitted in perfectly. We're still in a COVID situation. To bring in a Scottish-based player that knows the league, that knows what it means, I certainly wouldn't say no. No, definitely not. Now, Brian Watt comes in via YouTube to say, I'm really worried events uh, over the last week could affect Eddie Howe's decision. I've, I've read a lot of this on social media. Uh, don't think you could blame him either. This country is toxic at times. Well, it certainly is, Brian, but thanks for getting involved. Uh, and in relation to the boy McKenna, I've just been having a wee look at the Scotland squad there, JP, and I'm guessing that's the McKenna who has been uh, named as part of the squad as well, along with quite a few Celtic uh, 
um, additions as well. And, you know, Dykes up front, which was nice. The first two goalkeepers, Gordon Marshall, which brings back completely different memories for goalkeepers, um, for Celtic fans, that's for sure. But looking at that particular squad um, and linking it into a question that comes up here, uh, Alan Robertson asks, anyone else want Jack Hendry back? It's something we have discussed. And, you know, he's made it into the squad. There's going to be a few players, I think, that, you know, Celtic might benefit from actually. When you think about, for example, Kieran Tierney, right? So there is this chat around him leaving Arsenal for an astronomical figure. I'm guessing, Declan, there's a sell on for Kieran Tierney? I would yeah, think so. Yeah, I would think most so. And then you've got players like Ryan Christie who I think, you know, the, the contract situation and the performance of Celtic and him as an individual uh, will have resulted in his transfer value dropping somewhat. If he goes and has a good tournament, if, if Kieran Tierney has a good tournament, if Jack Hendry has a good tournament, these are things that uh, sometimes even on a secondary basis could benefit Celtic. But what the big, the big question is from Alan, would you have him back, Dick? I don't know. I mean... He's one of those players at Dundee I quite liked. I mean, we did sign him along with Scott Bear. I thought, OK, it's decent business. I definitely think he was a Brendan Rodgers buy. Um, so he's probably seen something in him. He can play with the ball out from out the back. He's been consistent this season in terms of playing games with no real bad injuries. Um, I think at this point in time, I probably would take him back if I'm not going to buy anybody. But I'd like to see him be a bit more ambitious. But again, no. He's probably still got something to prove. That free two game at Ibrooks, I thought it was very good. He came on and he defended his penalty box very, very well. And obviously we were on in that game and it was crucial. It was winning a, a double treble. So, you know, I'm all for second chances, but whether or not Jack Kendry would get that at Celtic, it's going to be up to whoever's in that dugout. Yeah, and so many other um, issues around that as well. Brian goes on to say, I think given his form in Belgium, it would be foolish not to see what he could do under a new manager uh, with some more confidence, which I think he has built up. Interestingly enough, last Wednesday, um, a, a memorable guest uh, was in with the, regards to the Belgian football podcast. He spoke in detail about Jack Hendry, JP, and what he did say, what he revealed is that this option to buy the Ostend have, and apparently it's a £2 million figure, that ends on the 31st of May. So then Hendry could possibly and potentially go and have a good tournament for Scotland. And then, you know, Celtic might be in a bargaining position should they wish to offload them, and they might even get a better fee for Hendry. So, so many different uh, variables in the situation. But I just think it's a difficult one now for Celtic, isn't it? Because we don't have the manager in the door. So how can he assess a player like Jack Hendry and, and decide whether or not he comes back from the loan deal? Well, I mean, I'm sure he could probably phone Brendan Rodgers and ask him why he signed him in the first place, if he's got that relationship with him. But I, I was always of the opinion that Jack Hendry was unfairly labelled this uh, dud defender. I, I really, really don't think he's he's a, a bad football player or a bad defender. Um, I certainly, you know, wanted him to do well when he went away out on loan. Um, I don't have any personal connections to Jack Hendry, so it's not like you know I'm trying to fly his flag um, for any other reason. than I just thought I didn't see enough of him to think that guy's a write-off. Um, so if he wants to come back to Celtic, 100% I'd want him to come back as well. Because, you know, if the player's willing and has a has a, has an ambition and a, and a fire in him to, to maybe maybe tell make a few people eat their words, you know? I mean, there's no better motivation than, than sort of um, 
shoving criticism back in someone's face because, I mean, he took a lot of it. I mean, he, he basically became a whipping boy and people, you know, online as well. It was horrible. Yeah. So the mm. stuff he got online was absolutely ridiculous. You know, like it, it, unwarranted, you know, really unwarranted. So, yeah, I, I, I would I'd firmly on that bus. That's an interesting one because I do remember uh, Ryan Christie after the Livingston, you remember the 2-0 game? where he gets sent off um, came off social media altogether because of the flack he was getting and I remember a few occasions where Jack Hendry bit to the, the criticism he got involved in a few spats but it was an interesting thing yesterday where um, the Celtic media team said that uh, a lot of guys at the club say they don't pay attention to social media they black it out and all this kind of stuff but by all accounts they know exactly what's getting said and um, it does affect them as well uh, which you would expect because they're human beings just like everybody else now we have uh, Greyfriars Kirk coming in he would take Ferguson any day at Celtic Stephen Smith on the other hand if Fergus came he would be a scapegoat for any failings because of who he is um, and interestingly enough Facebook user doesn't come up with his identity uh, thanks for getting involved one thing to note about Ferguson that he is tall Celtic have too many average height and we guys uh, so get a a bit of height in there um, and then Kieran comes in to bring up the name of Nisbet who I think has done so so well um, you know this season he's in a Scottish Cup final he's going to the Euros I would expect a step up of some description I just don't know if that step up is going to be to Celtic I mean I know there's been interest Declan down south for the likes of um, Kevin Nisbet he's done well he's, he's uh, one of these players that I think still could develop further yeah, um, obviously, we don't have anybody. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's a, from a Celtic state of mind, tunes into the, the Hibs Bulletin that I, I do quite regularly, but it was the Scottish Cup final build-up and we were talking to Ryan Fortes, Matt Macy and Martin Boyle as well as Jack Ross. Um, from the outside looking in, it's a very grounded side. They've all got an ambition to do well and uh, they certainly know what targets they want to do. I think Martin Boyle scored something like 12 goals, which is unheard of for a right midfielder. And, uh, the dynamic duo up front, Boyle, Nisbet and Doidge proved to be successful this season. First time Hibs have achieved third place in 16 years. Uh, the manager's very grounded in terms of what he wanted to achieve at Hibs. But Kevin Nisbet, you know, he's still young. Um, he scored wherever he's been. And it was also interesting the other day, somebody had asked Matt Macy on uh, Josh Doig, could he make the step up? I know he's another player linked with us. And whether there's so any similarities between Kieran Tierney and him, Matt Macy being at Arsenal before he came up the road to, to Hibs. And he said he saw a lot of similarities between both players in terms of their work rate, how grounded mm. they are, how much they want to achieve in a game. So maybe he could be another possible buy um, for the hoops in the summer. Seems to be a lot of young talent, JP. I've also heard um, some Celtic fans saying that we should go for Ryan Gold, the attacking midfielder. Has had an impressive season in Portugal for Ferenc, or is it Ferenzi? I'm not too sure on Portuguese football, I've got to say. Nine goals, uh, seven assists and 34 appearances. He's going to be up for a free uh, during the summer as well. His name has been mentioned a few times and Maravchik's 
speaking about quite a lot of the, the young guys in Scottish football at the moment making a name for themselves Ferguson, Doig, Campbell and Nisbet all young, hungry, fit players who know the league and are desperate for a few medals um, on paper it looks great to me JP you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to any of them on paper but as uh, Declan alluded to before it doesn't quite work like that especially not at Celtic well with regards to Lewis Ferguson if Lewis Ferguson wanted to come to Celtic I have absolutely no issue with that I mean if he does end up at Rangers then it's because he wants to go to Rangers simple as that but if right now Lewis Ferguson is sitting there considering Celtic as an option then absolutely we should sign him there's no there's no question there's so much money has been squandered on on you know um, players that have gone absolutely nowhere in a Celtic shirt uh, apart from out the door with very little appearances um, so I, I, yeah, Lewis Ferguson is a no-brainer for me. Um, I've seen enough of him to think that it can be developed further at Celtic. Um, and uh, Doig as well. I watched his interview to accept the young players, young player of the year. No, uh, mm. no. Oh, oh, what, what award did they win? There were so many of them. Was it the writers, Scottish writers, young player? Yeah, Scottish writers, young player. And you know, see, based on that interview and also the, the little showreel I saw of him because I don't watch Hibs I don't see them that much I've seen them against us and that's it um, didn't really pay attention to him as much but based on his interview seems like a really nice guy sound you know gets it just like, like obviously loves playing football um, not about you know show or anything like that you know probably is the type of guy that knows that he has to get you know a couple of hundred games under his belt before he can start really saying he's a as a proper footballer, mm. um, and 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 uh, you can't have too, you can't have too uh, many of them. It's good to hear that because obviously the big criticism a lot of the time is around the attitude of these guys thinking that they're kind of like superstars before they're footballers rather than the other way about the the famous Tommy Doherty quote um, we've got all these superstars who want to be footballers back in the day footballers wanted to be superstars and it's flipped so it's great to hear that he's grounded and obviously had a spell like Andy Robertson at Queen's Park uh, quite a lot of you know footballers have uh, used that as a route you know go to Queen's Park sometimes a side step sometimes a back step uh, and of course James Allen played for Queen's Park as well JP and I spoke to his uh, guitarist from Las Vegas the other day Rab uh, so you know tune into that interview as well because what a, a lovely fella he is as well by the way Rab Allen yeah. I don't know if you've had any dealings with him JP I've, your... known, I've, I've known them for a long time yeah I, uh, I saw them support a band at uh, Cabaret Voltaire in Edinburgh uh, called Tiny Dancers and I reviewed it and uh, sent it. Oh, I met Denise, James's sister, that night, and then I, I sent them the review. And then uh, I've been been pretty pally with them ever since. So watched them go for playing to like twenty people to selling out the Barrowland and whatnot. So uh, I and obviously James is a massive Celtic fan. Um, he's got a cracking black Tommy Burns T-shirt that he got from the Barrowland market, um, and it's the I'm pretty sure it's the picture of Tommy Burns on his knees. Um, yeah, he's, he's he's got that, but yeah, they've got a, they've got a Rangers fan in their midst. Paul, uh, Paul, the bass player, he's a Rangers fan, um, but we'll not hold that against them. 
No, I've not interviewed him, uh, interestingly. Um, but you never know, you never know. Uh, yeah, very interesting interview. I'm a big fan, have been for, for a while. But as well as bringing players in, you know, we've got to look at some of the guys that will be leaving the club. And we watched with interest the final performance against Hibs. And I use performance, the word pretty lightly when I speak about Odds and Edwards. Such a disappointing season across the board for Celtic. But I think that um, it'll be best for him certainly to, to move on I think the time is right it would have been great if he was moving on to a fanfare and uh, celebrating 10 in a row etc but I've seen a, a figure of 20 million kind of being reported uh, Declan and I know that uh, in the past we've looked at higher fees for the likes of Austin Edward. do you think that's a realistic figure for Edward if he was to move on? It's probably realistic and a wee bit over what I'm expecting to get from I just think you know of how long he's getting his contract that's probably going to be the thing that, that stops us uh, demanding a higher fee so I think anything between 15 and 20 million will probably be out the door if the, the player certainly wants to leave the club and you know his mind's already made up I think that's a decent way to cash in and uh, you know all the best to him because he's been a, a real class act for Celtic he's brought a lot of special goals and special times to the club but you know if the player's made his mind up then you know 20 million pound I'd be delighted at that as long as it gets properly invested back into the squad but um, I'm probably more in the camp that I think will be closer to 15 than 20 it's, it's frustrating going back JP to something Declan said before about succession planning um, you know you get a massive fee for the likes of Brendan Rogers, but uh, you don't make that next step ahead when it comes to the managerial appointment you felt that when we had Dembele and then you bring in Edward there's the succession plan right there I would have loved to have seen the two of them flourish together absolutely would have uh, but I just don't see we don't have the, the next step if Edward goes um, I don't even think we've got our first pick you know we know the situation with Lee Griffiths we don't even know if he's going to be here next season uh, Bayo's out on loan Clamalo's gone Ayeti hasn't kicked on we might cut our losses on him there's been no succession planning here. And I think that when you look at Edward, if we were to get 20, um, and that's maybe the top end deck, as you say, that's maybe the top end of the scale, 20 million quid. I mean, what are you spending to bring in the, the successor to Odson Edward? Because, I mean, we spent 9 million quid on him. And players like him, that kind of talent, are few and far between. Well, remember, we only spent about half a million on Musa Dembele. So mm. there's... there's uh... Sure, there's players out there that can be that can be found. Um, the Dembele thing is, I I just can't believe he's going to go just like Scott Brown going with no with an, an empty stadium. And you know, I know it's off the back of a horrendous season where we've not done anywhere near what we could have and should have done. But just uh, Edward leaving kind of meekly, just like, all right, see you later, mate. You know, thanks, thanks for the memories. Maybe a social media post or whatever, and it's just like that's 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 brutal. Because you know, at one point, I, I, only a year ago, the whole Celtic Park would have been you know absolutely bouncing to "I want to be Edward," and you know, not not many players get that. You know, get that like a full stadium rocking to a song. You know, uh, you got you've got to have something pretty special about you to to get a full stadium giving it yeehaw to a song. Um, Scott Sinclair obviously being one mm. of them but um, but with regards to the money getting back for it, uh, for Edward obviously we spent I've, I've always been led to believe that it was the deal that was worth 9 million I don't think we actually shelled out 9 million quid for Edward I think it was all built up to 9 uh, potentially um, so we'll obviously 
if we have ended up spending nine over the course of his time here with add-ons, international appearances, goals, etc., then you're obviously looking to recoup that nine million for a start and then make a profit on it. So mm, if yeah. you're only making six million on Edward based on what he's done and what he continues to do, albeit at under twenty one level internationally, but I mean, we don't want to get shortchanged here because I'm not buying into the narrative that just because he's had, and he's not even, yeah, he's, he's, he's had a poor season, I suppose, playing standards, but he's still, you know, highest, is it the highest goal scores, goal scoring season that he's had? It would be actually, I 22, yeah. I think, was yeah. the, the final total win. Yeah. So, I, I don't know if I'm counting any Scottish Cup final goal from the previous season in that. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, I'm not buying into the, the fact that, oh, yeah, he's suddenly a dud or anything crazy like that. I mean, he is definitely not a dud. He'll, wherever he goes next, I'm absolutely certain that he'll get to a, a really great level again and will probably go on to to an even bigger club than potentially where he goes to next. I, I think he's, he's too good. From what I've seen, JP, I, I think, yeah, certainly when you look at what Dembele's done since he left Celtic, or, or, Odson Edward could do um, likewise. You know, I, I don't mm. think that uh, there's much. Se- there are different types of players, granted, but I don't think there's much separating them. To be honest, you know. And mm. um, when I'm looking at uh, Edward, and I know it's difficult when things are so frustrating, like the season we've just had, and uh, Celtic supporters are feeling uh, really frustrated by what's happening at the club, and you can have a go at this player and that, but if we're going to be completely honest and, and totally balanced about it, you've also got to say, well, you know what? He's carried that front line for the best part of two seasons. I mean, mm. there was some kind of like respite when Lee Griffiths came in for a second part of the season and then the season was cut short, of course. But up to that point, it was almost like he was dead on, on his legs at times, if you remember back. And then this season, I felt like that as well. A, a, a lot of games I watched and he was very, very active, even coming back and doing a lot of kind of like um, defensive work and uh, winning the ball in his own half in the first 15, 20 minutes of a game. And then it, it gradually kind of ground down to the point where he looks languid. He looks like he's not interested. But he's been carrying that side all season. Now, he's had no backup in terms of a, a partner up front. He, he's not been able to be rested at any point. And, of course, he had COVID. Mm. So, uh, you know, we look at it and we think he's had a poor season. But there has been other circumstances around that as well, JP, if I'm trying to be as fair as possible on, on oh. Eddie. I think mentally that, I mean, just you pointing that out there, mentally for a guy that young, he's like, what, 22? <laughs> and like he's he's basically carrying the expectations and weight of a, a huge Celtic fan base mm. on his shoulders with, with very little help, you know, like not, yeah, he got the, the help uh, in January to March last year from, from Lee Griffiths when he came back. Just on Lee Griffiths as well, I know everybody can be like, oh, well, you know, he's not in the Scotland squad, it's his own fault, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if it was entirely all Lee Griffiths' fault. You know, I don't think you can put the whole blame at Lee Griffiths' door. We don't know the ins and outs, and we might not know until a book in 10 years' time or something like that. But I, I, I've got I've got a degree of sympathy for Lee Griffiths because, you know, it's probably a, one, a once-in-a-lifetime chance to get in a Scotland squad for... For a, I mean, given that we haven't been there since mm. uh, France '98, <laughs> that was in first year at uni. So you know, these things don't come along. I mean, hopefully, you know, with that sort of squad and the, the, the youth of the squad, you'd like to think that it might be the start of something now that we can now get there regularly. 
rather than just like you know once every twenty years or whatever. But I, I, I do, I do feel, I do feel a bit for Lee Griffiths. People will be going nuts, going on, ah, you know, who cares about him? You know, he's a waste of space. You know, he's he's not fit. He's not this or he's not that. But you know, he, he came in. He got. He was. He was playing. He was fit. He was available to play on on the bench and things like that. But then you look at the difference. James Forrest just comes flying back in, plays yeah. what nine, ten games, and then gets in the squad. You know, so and and but Steve Clark obviously doesn't have an issue with Lee Griffiths because he he was in the last squad, wasn't he? Was he not in the? He scored one of the penalties in the penalty shootout. Yeah, he scored the first penalty in the penalty shootout. So the, the, the pressure one, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you brought back a, a wee memory here um, in relation to the talent that undoubtedly. Um, is possessed by Lee Griffiths and in a finals tournament I remember reading a George Best book can't remember which one I've read a few over the years but um, there was a moment in his career right in 1982 and um, Bobby Murdoch was the manager of Middlesbrough and Bertie Peacock was the assistant manager at Northern Ireland interesting how these things work out because at the end of Bertie Peacock's Celtic career Bobby Murdoch was just starting a fledgling clear career at Celtic and um, there was a plan to take, believe it or not, there was a plan to take George Best to the 1982 World Cup and at that time he was, um, he was between clubs, he had just finished in the 81 for San Jose Earthquakes and he was between clubs so Bertie Peacock had this idea that he would get on to Bobby Murdoch who was the manager in Middlesbrough and he says to, to Bobby that uh, could you sign George Best? Um, he'll talk to you can you sign him get him fit and I'll take him to the World Cup <laughs> right and I think Middlesbrough might have been fighting relegation at the time so Bobby Murdoch was right up for this you know and they had they had discussions about it but it came down to and I don't know which Miss World he was with at that time <laughs> but his partner um, didn't want to move to Middlesbrough for that period of time to get him fit before oh, the they went old, to World the Cup old, the old move this is it <laughs> <laughs> this is it and uh, I, I just remember thinking to myself how sad it was that uh, you know George Best didn't grace a World Cup finals tournament um, at, at some point in his life even though he would have been I think and you need to check this he would have been the wrong side of 35 at, at, by that point well past his best but there was this thought process uh, in the Northern Ireland camp that he could he could spark something into life even if used for 15 minutes and I think and I'm not comparing George Best to Lee Griffiths I think when you look at some of the experience or lack of uh, in and around that kind of area of the squad JP that would have been the reason why I would have thrown Lee Griffiths in there yeah we know he's not had uh, a lot of football this season but you know for that 10-15 minutes you just never know if you could throw him on Nick he could make something happen and that, that's my biggest disappointment for him totally if you like whether you like the guy or not you know as you said the other day he's you know the best striker that Scotland have but it's other factors that seem to have uh, clouded that you know I mean even even your most hardened Rangers fan could surely appreciate the fact that he can score goals. He scored a, he scored a good few against them, you know. And that one at Ibrox where he whipped it into the top bin was was brilliant, you know. Um, and and you know his free kicks against England they didn't yeah. happen. They didn't happen, you know, when he was an eighteen year old. You know, it happened a, a few years ago, you know. Um, so I, I I I would I would have as well, but I mean I'm not Steve Clark and I'm not an international manager. So um, hopefully whatever squad he's chosen chosen will will um, do the business. 
When and you never know because he's basically said for those left behind, keep yourself fit. You never know. Oh yeah, you might, you might get a call up. You know. Yeah. Um, so tomorrow it's been eighteen years since Seville, a European final. Uh, five years ago today, Brendan Rodgers was announced as a Celtic manager. And today we are talking about um, 61 days to our first fixture and several months since uh, Neil Lennon left the building. Um, thank you, everybody, for getting involved in the chat on YouTube, Facebook and also on Twitter. And thank you to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company go to iHeartResults.com for more sports social podcast network at discount tire we know your time is valuable get 30 percent shorter average wait time when you buy and book online did you know discount tire now sells wiper blades check out our current deals at discounttire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today Discount time. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.